Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the sky above us today and for the weekend. It is Friday, August 11th. It is a big weekend in terms of something that's beginning in, in the uh, Venus cycle, uh, the Venus cycle moving through the next 10 days in uh, six different places of her cycle, right? She has a 13-phase cycle, and we're going to hit one, two, three, four of them in just the next week. Wow. That feels almost a little breathless, doesn't it? It feels a little bit like we are in for something. And today we're going to talk about what we are in for. Uh, it is a Friday. Uh, well, it isn't actually the Friday that we would have uh, Pia and Colin with us. They'll be with us next Friday. And hopefully she can explain some of this Venus cycle from the perspective of the Pleiadian uh, Earth energy astrology. Whereas I'm going to explain it today from kind of both perspectives. And I'm only going to actually have time probably to take us through the the two uh, parts of the cycle, one that we just hit through on August 6th, and then the one we'll hit on Sunday, which is like the banner one. And then on Monday, when I come back on, we'll talk about the rest of the week's, uh, next week's cycle of Venus. So hopefully everybody is doing well. It's been kind of an interesting week. I'm sure everybody is having an interesting week. It's not just me. Uh, interesting because, you know, there's so many things that are going on right now in terms of our inner dynamics. We have Mercury in the shadow period before his retrograde. So of course, this morning I go to get into StreamYard, which is how I broadcast and it wouldn't recognize my camera. And this is my little, uh, you know, extra camera that I use because it's high def and will only recognize my laptop camera, which I hate. It just doesn't, I mean, if you look at it, it's dim. It doesn't have all of the, the pop that my regular camera does. And for whatever reason, periodically I go through this, whether it doesn't want to recognize my headset or it doesn't want to recognize my camera. Nobody has any real good answers as to why that happens. It seems to happen after we go through a major update on the uh from Microsoft because I, I use a PC, um, but even so, that shouldn't happen all the time, and it does on a regular basis, enough that it is quite annoying. Um, so it's those kinds of things, those are technological, and those are the kinds of things we start to experience in the time before Mercury goes retrograde. But at the same time, we also have Venus in retrograde. She's been in retrograde since July 22nd, so that's not new. Uh, but, you know, her cycle is crescendoing and uh, then we'll have this period of time and that uh, where it starts to wane. But that cycle crescendoing always comes into a, a sort of crystallized focus when Venus comes into conjunction with the sun, which happens on Sunday. So we'll want to talk about, well, what does that mean? And that is happening at 20 degrees of, Le of Leo in your chart. So if you have your astrology chart with you, take a look at 20 Leo. 
that is where the bang for your buck is happening. And I think I'm actually going to pull this book out so that I look at that through the astrological um, mandala, similar to the Sabian symbols, so we get a better crystallized view of what's going on. And then we'll also take a look at that through human design, because I think there is uh, an interesting piece of information for all of us, let's say. All right, but as usual, let's uh, start by saying good morning to everybody. If you're joining me live, welcome. And if you're listening to this later on today on any of the places that I podcast through Blog Talk Radio or Spotify or iHeart Radio or any any of those, there's, there's so many, I don't even remember them all, um, then welcome. And if you have any questions after being able to hear this, you are always welcome to reach out and email me, just as all of you who are listening here have access to the chat where you can talk to me live right there on the uh, chat forum. So let's say good morning to Julie. It's good to have you with us. And Corey, nice to see you. Haven't seen you here with us in a while. Christine Buckingham, good morning to you. Gayla, hello. JLo, good to see you. And JLo and Julie both are saying very interesting and hello, human astro design tribe. Good to see you guys too. <laughs> Nargis, good morning. It's good to see you. Joan Durchy, hello. And Nargis says, Another profound 11th, indeed, indeed. All the 11ths to me are days. They're days. They're always the 11ths, you know. And uh, you, you all know that my son died on the 11th of July. This was two years ago now. And the number 11 has played profoundly in our lives ever since then. He was 29 when he died. Two plus nine is an 11. Um, if any of us find money on the ground, it's usually a dime and a penny, 11 cents. It's so weird. Um, weird things happen to us on the 11th, um, or we get, you know, some kind of psychic confirmation on those days. And it's not just me. It can be any one person in my family. It's just an interesting day of light, as the 11th is often about light, illumination, right? Seeing things from a different perspective. And that's kind of apropos for this weekend as well, even though today's the 11th and the uh, Venus conjunction to the sun doesn't happen until the 13th. I think that's apropos too, and I'll talk about all of that here in just a minute. But I want to start with uh, where the moon is today. That's where we usually start. And uh, the moon today is in Gemini, a sign of communication, a sign of the mind, of transportation, of our networking, our computers, all of these kinds of tech communication devices, telephones, computers, the networks, the social medias, all of that falls under Gemini. Um, and later, not too much longer from now, the moon will move into the void, where it will be from 1028 West Coast time until 3.53 p.m. So literally, almost all of the day today is in the void, of course, moon. And if you're on the East Coast, of course, push that out a couple of hours, it'll be 128 until uh, 6.53 p.m. And at that point in time, the moon will shift out of Gemini and into Cancer. Now, the impact of a void, of course, moon is we call it sort of the wandering moon. Wandering because not not a lot can happen during that period of time when the moon is void, or at least it feels like we wander a bit, right? Like we're just circling things. Um, 
we we can't really take new steps moving in a new direction. Uh, it just doesn't work out the way we'd hoped. Uh, it fizzles out, that kind of thing. But when the moon breaks the void and moves into a new sign, again, new things are possible or the next steps are possible or things can come to fruition or things can begin to happen. So the shift from Gemini being mind oriented shifts to the heart with the moon moving into the sign of cancer. So cancer for the weekend and that becomes an empowered moon because she's in her own sign, the sign of her own rulership right, or her domicile, to use a word that we've been uh, working with in terms of all of the different places that planets can fall, uh, either in their own power, uh, as in their own domicile or their home, or where they are exalted, uh, where they can really get a lot of good stuff done, or when they are in their fall or in their detriment, which are places where they struggle, that planet struggles a bit. But the moon in the sign of cancer doesn't struggle. This is her home. So what can we expect for the weekend? Well, for certain, this is a much more emotional placement for the moon. And it <laughs> concerns me just a little bit because I'm heading east of the mountains for the weekend to visit my sister who has now been diagnosed as having vascular dementia which um, I have never heard of before, but it turns out it's literally fatal. We kind of knew this because she's not doing well. She's, you know, going, she's getting worse and worse, not better at all. She has moments where she comes back, but she's really likely um, getting ready for her own passing. And um, as we, you know, move into the sign of cancer, that becomes more emotional, right? I can just feel sort of the emotion around it. There's also sensitivity to uh, our own emotions, but also how other people are feeling. And it, this is a placement for the moon where she can become very intuitive, like knowing, clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient, I think all the clairs, all the ways of knowing, all the ways of intuiting, um, the instinctual awareness of things comes to the surface while the moon is in the sign of cancer. And there's also, you know, the ability for us to have this heartfelt understanding with the conditions that other people are experiencing, whether they're people you know and love or whether they're just people that you meet on the street who are experiencing something uh, or whether it is having uh, a more open expression of sensitivity to what you yourself may be feeling in respect to all of the things that are going on in your own life and the people in your life. But there's also a sense of moodiness with the moon here, right? She's she's moving through the sign of moodiness. So we can be up and down a little bit during this period of time because of that sensitivity. Now, this is also a place of intimacy and compassion and empathy where nurturing and the tenderness we feel toward uh, people is very much amplified. Um, it's almost like our souls are laid bare during a moon in cancer. And that might mean we feel much more deeply. It might mean we're much more willing to share what we're feeling. But for some people also, this can be a time where we go within, where we move backwards from expressing emotion to more of the how are we feeling with it or feeling it and, and dealing with it uh, on the inner planes. So this is also the placement of the moon for home and family. 
and uh, wanting to be around what's familiar, um, being in love sort of with home and family and traditions. It is our emotional roots, right? Our roots, not just emotional, but also our family roots. Um, this is also the need. This is, it, it encapsulates the need to belong, the feeling that all humans have of needing to belong. And then, of course, the emotional reaction or response comes up in, in response to how well we are feeling like we belong, or are we outsiders in our families or in our friends or in our groups, whatever, you know, wherever that is uh, in your life. We, um, we really feel the need to belong, but this can also bring up sort of that needy clinginess uh, that we can feel with the moon in Cancer. Um, we often are, you know, wanting to hold on tightly uh, to feelings, to those people, uh, to situations, because we might fear change, right? The moon is always changing in this sign, and uh, the moon is always changing in every sign, right? That That's just a fact with the moon, but the, sometimes there's this feeling of insecurity that we have to deal with uh, because of the moon in this case, because we all know things are going to change. They always do. Um, so, uh, and of course, if we are only wanting to be around what's familiar, then sure as heck the universe is going to contrive to bring you something unfamiliar for your own growth and for your own evolution. <laughs> so just when you think you're safe and secure and nothing's going to change, it all changes, right? It just all changes. So we have to watch out for a couple of things. One would be a lack of confidence, not feeling like we are capable or that we are adequate or that there's, you know, something inherently wrong with us. We have to, which then causes us to hide, right? The cancer is the sign of the crab and the crab's soft inner uh, self is covered by a hard shell, right? A hard shell. So the fear that we're not good enough or the fear of lacking confidence or uh, becoming more defensive about who we are or what we're feeling can cause us to pull inward and essentially hiding from the fear of not being good enough or causing us to shut down in some case emotionally, uh, shutting down, you know, we just want to go away and hide. Um, and on the other end of things, you know, we can be in smother mode, right? Smother mothering um, or even becoming dependent on others to support us. So we have things to watch out for with the moon in Cancer, but we do have an empowered moon over the weekend. So expect to be in your feels, right? Expect to feel everything. Uh, and for the most part today, we're not in that yet. We're, we're in that space between. So again, it's not a day to really plan on making big strides, doing something. It might be a good day to clean up and finish up things that are on your desk that still need to be taken care of, things in your, um, you know, just in your life in general. That is better today than uh, trying to start something new or force something to happen. All right. Uh, so any questions about that, feel free to put that in uh, the chat. So the primary thing that I really wanted to talk about today is the Venus cycle. And right now she's in retrograde. And because Mercury is about to retrograde, I thought maybe we would do a quick review about retrogrades in general. 
Uh, because retrogrades, you know, they kind of get a bad rap. I mean, astrologers, including myself, I mean, we're always like warning, sounding the alarm. <laughs> something's retrograde, something's going retrograde, right? Um, but retrogrades really offer us an opportunity that we don't have as well when the planets are moving in forward motion. So we we prefer forward motion, most of us, because it feels like things are happening, right? We're going forward and it's very outer world focused. And when we have a retrograde planet, it moves that focus inward. It moves it inward. And it offers up an opportunity, all the retrogrades, all the retrogrades, no matter what planet, offer us the ability to detach from our former viewpoints or our former ways of thinking or believing, giving us more of that internal processing of whether or not we want to stay on the same course, right, that we have been on. So at the moment, we have quite a few planets getting in retrograde or getting ready to retrograde in the case of Mercury. And that means that there's this really good opportunity with each one of those planets to go in and look kind of detached from the emotion, detached from the what I think it should be, and just try to see things from the more uh, unbiased point of view, a more detached point of view. Retrogrades also give us a second chance to revisit the old patterns in our lives and maybe to break those patterns or enhance them if they're good patterns, right? If there's a good pattern that's been going on that you uh, intermittently connect with, this retrograde might give you an opportunity to reconnect with that and enhance it. But it can also do the other side of the coin, which is to help you to release any of those old patterns by breaking with them, right? Breaking with them, deciding not to go backward into that same pattern. But sometimes we're not even aware of what those patterns are. So the retrograde gives us that opportunity to like go, oh, that's the pattern. That's what's been happening. Um, retrogrades are always the slow ride, take it easy, reevaluate, choose wisely what your next steps will be and maybe in choosing wisely it means not choose yet right don't choose yet wait for a bit so again this is this is generalities of the retrogrades because of course we have venus retrograde that's all part of her cycle right now mercury is approaching retrograde and you know as we go into the fall jupiter will go into retrograde uh, and that means we'll have saturn pluto Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, <laughs> all in retrograde, and then Venus coming out of retrograde in the fall, Mercury uh, there for a little bit as well. So it, it behooves us, in other words, to understand the retrograde energy. Now, the last thing that I think about with a retrograde planet is that it gives us an opportunity to see reality differently. I'm putting reality in quotes because what is reality, right? Reality, you could say, is in the eyes of the beholder. Um, everything on the planet here, it could be just an illusion, right? It feels so real. It feels like reality because it's physical. I can touch it. Ooh, I can touch it. I can feel it. I can taste it. I can see it. Um, I can, you know, taste it. If it's something food-like, I can taste that. I can connect with it viscerally. 
uh, so it feels real. But what if everything on this planet wasn't real? Just what if? What if? So we get to see reality differently when we have a retrograde planet. A retrograde Mercury allows us to look at our thinking processes differently, our minds differently, how we communicate differently. A retrograde Venus allows us to see our values differently, to see our relationships in new light, to see our worth or our own intrinsic value differently. And you know, all of the other planets have their own way as well. Saturn looking at responsibility in a different way. Uh, all of these things give us a, an ability to see what we think of as reality in a different way. All right. I hope that makes sense for everybody. Now, Venus, let's talk about this Venus cycle. And good Lord, I could talk. I mean, there are books written about the Venus cycle. There is Venus cycles in art, right? You see all those beautiful uh, kind of uh, the roses of life. Those are all sort of a, ven a depiction of the Venus cycle. Her cycle is very complex, but also very predictable. And um, it's interesting because one of the, the cycle of uh, her that we are most familiar with is a nine and a half month cycle, which is about the time it takes for a human baby to go from conception to birth. So we have something interesting there to connect us as humans on this planet to a planet in the solar system, right? We are always very aware of the moon's connection to this planet, right? The moon is locked in a cycle of the earth time of earth venus is locked in a cycle not with just earth though but with the sun as most of the planets are right the planets are locked in this cycle and the cycles then they repeat so if we you know were wanting to we could trace back the cycles of venus and we could uh, go back in time kind of time travel if you as it were and we could you know, pick up the threads of history. We could pick up the threads of our fa family line, our ancestry, or our genetics, uh, or our genealogy, more appropriately. We could go back in time with the Venus cycle to the time where we were born, and we could see how that Venus cycle is playing out in our own lives. And then we could also do that against the backdrop of the collective, Right. How is the collective shifting and morphing in relation to this Venus cycle? And then we can take moments like this today where we are uh, all we've already experienced one Venus change this month and we have four more to go before this month is over. Is that correct? It is correct. Four more to go Four. That's a lot of changing and shifting. Right now, Venus is interesting to me because she represents the divine feminine, right? Nobody's going to argue with that. She's a feminine planet. She really represents um, everything in the divine feminine sphere, right? So she really holds us to the great feminine, the, the more receptive, inner-focused energies, as well as the aspects of the divine feminine that are more fiery, that are uh, maybe more unacceptable, perhaps, to uh, others than what we would hope. Um, if you take in the full of the feminine, 
there we have Venus. And not surprisingly, Venus has 13 phases to her cycle. So every 260 days, Venus is beginning a new cycle of 13 phases, 13 faces, if you will, but phases, that then will begin again after the ending of the 260-day cycle. So this is profound. This is profound because thinking back to how the patriarchy had sort of squelched the divine feminine and how it erased or vilified or demonized the number 13. And now we see Venus who has 13 phases in a cycle. And by cycle, by the way, I mean in, in this, this personal cycle that we're talking about, 260 days as the morning star, 260 days as the evening star. So it's a perpetual cycle, right? Every 260 days, she's going through pretty much a death rebirth, right? She dies to the old cycle. She becomes invisible for a time. And then she's rebirthed in the new cycle, whether that is as the morning star or as the evening star. And we can track that through these 13 personalities or 13 phases uh, of her cycle. All right. Now, on August 6th, that was uh, last Sunday, we came to what is called a completion cycle. Completion, and, you know, I'm basing a lot of this on Adam Ginsberg's book, The Light of Venus, which I think I talked about. I've talked about this book before. And it's really in talking about each one of the cycles. But also, those cycles are talked about in Pia and Colin's book, The Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology. And it is also one of the primary cycles that are talked about in the Mayan astrology. Of course, the Mayans always said that they got their calendar system and their astrology from the star people. And the Pleiadians may have been the star people that provided them with that since the Pleiadian system is very similar. Both Mayan astrology and the Pleiadian Earth astrology very much about Venus and her different cycles. So on August 6th, we came to completion in the uh, Light of Venus uh, by Adam Ginsberg, or Gainsberg, excuse me, and in the uh, Pleiadian Earth energy, this is called transition. It is phase 13 or personality 13 of Venus in her cycle. And it's a period of time of integration of experiences, of the feelings, the lessons that we have been experiencing while she has been in retrograde. And it brings us to a quiet space. It brings us to contemplation. And, you know, where we are seeking a, a higher, hmm, a higher view of love, right? The, we're reaching more toward the Neptunian ideal of love, taking on a cosmic perspective, perhaps, of love, something beyond 3D, right? In our 3D experience, love is a loaded word. <laughs> Any way you cut it, uh, love, is, you know, is, is loaded, right? It can mean so many different things. It can be used and abused. Um, 
it's just an interesting it's an interesting talk uh, in the 3D world about love, but we're contemplating what's beyond 3D here, right? We're contemplating the higher vision of Venus, the higher vision of love. But at the same time, on August 6th, we began the preparation for a new cycle because we're in the that was putting us into the final phase, and we're still there right? That started on the 6th and doesn't end until the 13th. So we literally have a seven-day cycle right now where we're all in this contemplation. And you might be contemplating different things based on where Venus is retrograde in your natal chart. In my own chart, she's in the second house, which is really about value and self-worth. In your chart, she might be in the 10th house. So this is a contemplation for you on your career or profession or your um, authority in your life. If it's in your first house, it's your personality, what you look like and how you are going to show yourself to the world or how the world sees you and how you may want to change all of that. So different places in the chart, this can play out in different ways. So it's worth our review of what does Venus retrograde in this completion transition phase 13 mean while she is in uh, Leo and retrograde in Leo. So remember that Leo is a sign of the heart. Pure and simple. This is about really accentuating the individual that you are, bringing out more of you, your truth, your love, your passion, and um, your genius, to put it in Gene Key's words, right? Your personal genius. And everybody has a personal genius, lest you sit there thinking, though, I'm not a genius. I don't have genius. Uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do, because you all have genius in your human design. So you all have a personal or individual sense of where it is that you shine. What is it? excuse me, that you're passionate about, passionate about, and what you want to bring out to the world, right? That might be for some people humor. For some people, that might be business acumen. For other people, it might be nurturing others, uh, maybe nurturing from a health perspective, nurturing from a psychological perspective. For others, it might be brilliance when it comes to finances. Uh, it, it's innumerable the ways in which you have your own personal path of genius and how you can show up in that. So Leo returns us to the heart. It rules the heart in the physical body. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we had that discussion about all of the rulerships of um, the body and how the planets play out there. Well, Leo is a sign that has rulership over the heart, but also the spine, right? The backbone, right? What makes us able to stand up what holds us erect in the world right how do we you know if we couldn't be standing if it wasn't for our spine right so we have the spine our basic structure and form that helps us guides us walks us through literally walks us through life but as well the heart the seat of our self-expression right so that's leo energy self-expression, individualism, your brilliance and genius, and your heart, right, your heart. And Venus, funny enough, also has a lot to do with those things, creativity, 
right? Our creative genius and our heart in terms of relationships. Where's our heart when it comes to, you know, being with family or friends or a significant other or our children or our animals or our plants, right? All sentient life in some way can be the recipient of our hearts, right? I mean, I love rocks. I, I think of rocks even or gems or stones as somewhat sentient, right? Not sentient in a 3D sort of way uh, or even a, you know, 4D, 5D sort of way, but sentient, right? Life on this planet. So we're applying heart to the planet. And by the way, in preparation for the new cycle, it requires us to move inward, to go into the womb, as it were, right? This is the cycle just before birth. This is where things are coming into a fullness, right? And that cycle, this part of her cycle culminates this Sunday, the 13th, when Venus and the Sun meet together for their conjunction. Remember, we've talked about these things before. When planets meet the Sun, it always represents the beginning of something, right? And when a planet in retrograde meets the Sun, it is bringing a, um, an initiation, perhaps, something into fullness, um, preparation for the next part of the cycle. Um, when Mercury meets the sun, it's the halfway point in the retrograde cycle. Same thing with Venus here. When she meets the sun, it's the halfway point of the cycle, of the retrograde cycle. Okay. All right. Tell me, everybody, are you are you uh, following me with this? Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. Good morning, Kamal. It's nice to have you with us. Um, so let's talk about the next cycle then that begins on the 13th. Now, this is a conjunction. So we're blending the energies of the sun and Venus, two benefics, right? The sun, our ego selves, our personality, our outer expression of who we are. Uh, sun in Leo at 20 degrees on Sunday and Venus in retrograde backing into the sun, also conjuncting at 20 degrees of Leo. Now, this is a powerful astrological event um, when the planet of love and beauty and harmony, peace, relationship, um, money and finances, uh, self-worth and value moves backwards in the sky and then meets up with the most important star in our solar system, it can bring up some intense emotions. It can bring up our desires and our passions, uh, as well as kind of imbuing us with creative inspiration, maybe artistic expression, if you're so called to go that direction, and also self-confidence. But it is in retrograde. So we might be seeing instead, maybe from a more detached point of view, remember we said retrogrades give us the opportunity to be detached. Maybe we can better see for ourselves where we're lacking in confidence, where we've been afraid to bring out our creative or artistic expression, where we have been afraid to really live from our hearts or our desires or our passions, right? So the challenge can reach up and bite us, and it might bite us in our relationships, 
might be in our finances. It might be in issues around ego, vanity for one thing, right? In the more negative feminine expression of Venus, we have vanity, we have jealousy, we have possessiveness even perhaps that, that those are things that we really associate with Scorpio as a sign, but they can also be the negative feminine energies. So we might be challenged by those things, right? In personally, but also others around you could also be being experienced or being in the experience of that energy and uh, be bringing that to you. So it's a good time for us to remember to be mindful. That's more of a Mercury word, but be mindful about how you express your feelings and your values, right? Rather than self-righteous, I'm right, you're wrong. We want to be more inclusive, more in, more tolerant, more accepting of ourselves and others. Um, avoid being impulsive. This is not a time to jump out there and just buy that house or buy that car or do things that you wouldn't normally do. Try to steer clear of drama and the ego, but the egotistical side of this as opposed to you know having a healthy ego we have to have a healthy ego we live on a 3d planet it's required but we don't have to live in the egotistical expression of it so watching for all of that now again because this is a time uh, where we're coming out of the uh, need for contemplation we may still be visiting some past issues we may still be visiting or revisiting patterns that have developed in our lives that maybe have been holding us back from fully embracing our true selves or fully embracing our heart's desires, right? I don't I, I don't know about you guys, but I I this has just sort of been in my field um, anyway. So I'm sure it's been in yours where I keep looking at what I really truly, what I desire in my life, but what keeps beating me is where I'm not getting it and the frustration that happens because I'm not getting it. Right now, I also have Pluto on top of my natal Saturn at the moment. So that just adds a whole lot more angst and frustration and anger to it. So you might not be feeling it as intensely as I'm describing, but there can be a very this could be a very good positive time for looking at what is it that's holding you back from expressing your desires, from really getting what you desire or what you want. If you dig, 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 dig deep enough, you might discover that you're there's some kernel of I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. I'm, I'm not confident that what I want is truly available for me. That could be different for every one of us, but this is the perfect time to dig down deep, right? To really get to it. And otherwise, you know, we end up projecting it outward onto others. It's your fault that I don't have what I want. It's your fault that I can't get to where I want to go, right? That's projection. And instead, this is our opportunity to really dig deep. So Venus and Leo Venus retrograde in Leo really is giving us the opportunity to heal from the inside out, to transform, to change our lives so that we're 
available to shine our light into the world, our individual light, right? You don't shine your light the same way I do as I don't shine the way that you do. Only you can shine your light in the right way for you, just like only I can shine my light in the right way for me, right? I can't get someone else to do that for me, and I can't blame anybody else if it isn't happening for me. So, hmm, right? Time for us to really work on this. Now, the Venus retrograde conjunct sun occurs at 20 degrees of Leo. So I said I wanted to go and look it up in our astrological mandala to see if we can get um, another view. Remember, this is based on the Sabian symbols and uh, can give us some insight by using keywords and uh, phrases that, that connect us to something. And at this point, we have an uh, Leo in emotional and cultural focus. And here's the saying, intoxicated chickens dizzily flapping their wings, trying to fly. The keynote says the often negative and at times ludicrous first experience with spiritual teachings. I'm gonna go ahead and read this because now I need to know more. It says in Near Eastern symbolism, wine, intoxication, and vineyards always refer to ecstatic experiences and to the contact with mystical or occult schools. Chickens, in quotes, here suggest that we are dealing with human beings who are the standardized products of their culture and more or less undifferentiated specimens of a social norm. Let me say that again are more or less undifferentiated specimens of a social norm. So what was the need we were just talking about to bring out your genius, your brilliance, your individual self? Brought accidentally or prematurely to a mystical or occult experiences, they usually react to them in a highly confused and dizzy manner. What reacts in them is the ego and the ego can never fly experience or in quotes, i.e. experience spiritually transcendent realities in an effectual manner. So essentially, what we're getting in a lot of words, by the way, and sometimes Dane Rudyar is speaking in a language that we don't really speak in anymore. Kind, It's still English, but in sort of roundabout ways. But what he's really speaking of here is the need to expand our consciousness but to do it in a deliberate manner, to do it in a conscious way, not just like chickens running around crazily, uh, taking in something new and running away with it before you don't have a, a true understanding of it. And it is kind of funny, right, when you think about it, because as you break this down, there's a certain amount of... of um, awareness and consciousness that comes to us when a planet is retrograde, right? It's easier to see how you might have been running around like a chicken from the retrograde perspective, right? Like I look back now at uh, July, earlier July, especially when I was um, really intensely looking at, I need this new car before Venus goes retrograde. And thinking about how much consciousness did I have in it when I was doing it? That's just something I'm looking at now. I didn't have, I had the consciousness of get it, get it done before a certain date. But did I really have full consciousness over that? 
it's not a good or a bad thing, right? It's, it's just now from this more detached point of view, I can see, you know, what was the motivation factor? Um, what is the problem in having done it then, if there is any? What was the, the grace in doing it at that point in time, right? So we don't get to do that very often in the moment. But from this point of view, we can look backwards now and see what those things are. And the cycle that begins on Sunday is a cycle that we begin anew with a new point of view, with a new heart opening, with a new set of beliefs, a new I'm uh, opening for living from the heart, right? An agreement with oneself to be confident and live out your full um in un, unindividuated up until this point self right so your invitation is to individuate and literally at the beginning of this cycle anything and everything is possible there's no there there's no like boundary or gate that says only if you can open this gate can you get there or only if you do xyz first can you get there this is a time for you to really set intentions. This is very much like a new moon, only a much more powerful and a little bit of a longer cycle, dealing more with your heart and what you allow for yourself versus the moon, which is setting intentions that we are moving through in a cyclical manner. So set intentions for what comes next. If anything and everything is possible, what would your intentions be? What would you want to create for yourself? So it's time, Sunday, and for the next two days after that, this is only a two-day cycle, the 13th and the 14th, because on the 15th, we go into the next part. Um, this is a cycle, a time for you to expand your thinking about yourself and your self-worth, um, about your relationships and who you are in those relationships, about your finances and about how your finances are sort of a reflection of your self-worth or your worthiness to receive, about self-expression. Am I expressing my unique self or am I watering down my self-expression? Am I expressing what I think other people will want to hear? or what other people want me to do. So it's a time to begin anew. It's in the retrograde that it's, isn't that interesting, right? It's in the retrograde that this opportunity comes to us, right? The retrograde, which remember was all about detaching from your former viewpoint, getting a second chance to revisit the patterns, the beliefs, the, the things that, the lessons that you've been learning taking it slower, being more deliberate, right? One step at a time, choosing consciously a new path and seeing your reality differently. So of course, this is happening in a retrograde. So I said that's for two days, right? And, and then the next cycle, and by the way, Venus at this point is invisible. She is what uh, we call uh, perihelion, I believe it is. She is the furthest away from the earth. She's in the arms of the sun. We can't see her, right? If you go outside at night and you try to visualize or, you know, see with your eyes where Venus is, you won't see her because she sat set with the sun, right? So we have Venus in the arms of the sun. We won't see her yet, 
for another couple of days, for another few days, actually, as she begins to pull away in the beginning of the next cycle, away, she distances herself from the sun and moves closer to Earth and becomes the morning star, right? So we'll see her in the early morning. Now, at least at first, she's so close to the sun rising, she might be lost in the glare of the rising sun. We call that her heliacal rising. And there are plenty of stories about Venus's heliacal rising as the morning star that it usually represents the fall of a leader, um, a change in societal norms, a change in the culture. Um, so those are the more collective themes, like something bigger going on. Um, but this cycle that begins on the 15th is called gestation. And it is where we're getting ready for the expression of that morning star. So we're approaching morning star status. By the time we get to the next cycle, which will be on August 19th, and then again on August 21st, crazy, right? These like one after the other, uh, then we're pulling into much more of the expression of Venus in her, I had that written here somewhere this morning, uh, what the names of the next two cycles after this are. Um, here she is. So on the 15th, of course, that's the gestation cycle that we were just talking about as she's approaching morning star. And what does gestation mean, right? Something birthing. Maybe you could think of it as before birth, right? Before birth. Then on the 19th, we have birth. We have creation popping out, right? This is creation and birthing. On the 21st, we have emergence. And this is where we start to get to see Venus in that morning star uh, phase. And then on September 3rd, she will also go through a phase change called fullness. And in the Pleiadian um, calendar, that is about change, right? This is where the work that we've been doing on the inner planes busts outward. And we start to see that Venus star in the morning, which is full of promise and uh begins, you know, when Venus is in the morning star phase, she's visible in the morning. She's, there's a more uh, outward focus of Venus at that point in time. Things begin to move faster during that period of time, as opposed to when she's in the evening star phase, which is when she's more internalized, okay, more in the dark, right, more in the expectation of what comes next. All right, questions about all of this, because I know it's a lot. There's a lot here to be said about this Venus cycle, and I'm just barely scratching the surface of all of it. Um, Sylvester, good morning to you. And he says he needed to hear this. I'm awesome. I mean, I'm glad that's an awesome timing thing for you. I'm deciding to take this time to learn more about tarot cards right? All the ancient symbolism within those cards. It's amazing. JLo, I need to fan it in my home so it can get going. All these fixed signs in my home is not working. Nice with emotions. Yeah. I think sometimes these things come along, JLo, and they kind of force the change. You know, the, the one thing that I know is resistance is futile, right? To quote the Borg, uh, in Star Trek, resistance is futile. So don't resist the change. 
Don't try to hold on to the past. Uh, don't try to force the change, right? It just sort of happens in its right timing and its right way. Um, Terry Strauss, good morning to you. And hello, JJ, it's good to see you out there with us too. JLo, interesting, that's where running around like a chicken without a head could be. Now I have a degree for it. <laughs> yes, you do. Terry says, I'm just shaking my head. You're amazingly knowledgeable. Well, you know, that's my passion. It's my gift, I guess, to be able to make these connections, just as you have this wonderful gift, Terry, to bring in the words of our, our uh, uh, deceased relatives or friends, uh, the unseen realm, bringing it alive. And uh, so just remember who you are, because you are all special. <laughs> I'm not any more special than any of you, just different in, in special in a different way, perhaps, uh, is how we could say that. Um, Treat yourself. Julie says, I love it as I needed the reminder. And JLo says, yes, the weird thing is I'm lucky being in a mutable house. Now my kids, they are the chickens with no heads. <laughs> and they can get away with it because they're younger. They need your wisdom, JLo, to help them pull those heads back on and organize those activities around a more deliberate individuation of who they are. <laughs> I love that imagery, though. All right. Lastly, today, before I uh, have to, to leave, um, I wanted to talk about the human design aspect of where Venus meets the sun, and they will be meeting at the gate four. Now, the gate four is a gate on the Ajna, on the right side, if you're looking at it, on the right side, leading up to uh, the gate 63 on the head center. And that is an interesting place because the gate four sees possibilities, right? It's a possibilities. It's curiosity. It's seeing not just what is, but what could be. So Sun and Venus at the gate four are bringing us that curiosity to see what more is possible. And it's interesting. I have that gate in my own uh, chart couldn't tell you what planet's sitting there right now, but in my own human design. And I've always thought in possibilities rather than black and white. Black and white is the gate 49 where the earth is right now. So we're breaking the pattern of black and white thinking in order to see possibilities. What could be? Not just what is. We have to live in the what is, but what could be? And interestingly enough, forgiveness comes into this gate. Forgiveness is a part of this experience with Leo, uh, uh, 20 degree Leo, uh, Sun and Venus together at gate four. Forgiveness, right? Forgiveness of self, maybe, of your mistakes, of all the times that you didn't act from your worthy center, from your heart. Um, forgiveness of others where others have maybe, you know, um, been the cause of anxiety or stress or of taking away, seemingly taking away your possibility thinking or possibilities, because you're never without possibilities. That's the truth here. Now, the other gate on the opposite side of the four, which is, you know, going to be triggered just because, 
it's there, especially if you have the gate 63 defined in your chart, it's going to bring in possibilities of self-doubt, of sus being suspicious or doubting yourself, especially. It's okay to be doubtful or suspicious of what other people are saying or of, of other people's truths, you know, kind of asking yourself the question, is this my truth? Is this true for me? Is this real for me? But it's not okay to doubt yourself. Right. That's the thing we learn in this gate. So is do the possibilities get shut down from the doubt that you feel yourself doubt, doubting your heart, doubting your ability, doubting your worth, doubting your adequacy. You got to get back to your intrinsic value and forgiveness, forgiving self, but also others. That's a big part of the gate four. And literally the sun and um uh, Venus are there together until the 15th, until she changes out of that next cycle. And now remember, she's back, she's moving backwards. So she's moving back to the gate seven, which is a gate about bringing um, your own power back to yourself, right? And using that as a way to be a leader in the world in your way. Not everybody has to be leader in the hierarchical sense of the way that we talk about leaders. But you could certainly be a leader in your own right, in your own world, in your own family, uh, in your own uh, clubs or organizations, your own community, uh, in your own work, right? That's what we're talking about here. So for the next several days, forgiveness is uppermost in our mind as well. It's an energy that we don't always expect with gate four, but it is one of the biggest places in human design where we find the need for forgiveness. And interesting because it's in the Ajna, the second center down, the mind, right? The mind, where the mind can hold on to all the reasons why you're a bad girl or a bad boy or why you're not good enough or why you you can't be who you want to be. And so when we apply forgiveness to it all, boom, it's gone. It disappears. And then we're clear to live out the possibilities. All right. Natasha, good to see you out there. And Teddy, hello. Patty says, hi. I'm so glad Patty and Teddy are joining us this morning. And I'm so glad all of you joined me today. It was really good to see you all. Uh, I am going to draw one card from the deck from one of my many decks today to take with us along the weekend. And I'm going to use the Dreamweavers Oracle. Why? Because this weekend is our opportunity to become our own personal Dreamweavers. I'm going to play that song, Dreamweaver. Can't remember who sings that song, but all I have to do is tell Alexa that I want to hear Dreamweaver and I'll get it. That might be a good song for all of us to listen to <laughs> this weekend. All right. So this card will help us in our collective dream. And it says, time to feed the hungry heart. Card number 25. It kind of looks like a whale, maybe. <laughs> Hammerhead shark. I'm not sure. Heart at the center. Gotta love the feet. The blender feet, right? The the. <laughs> time to feed the hungry heart. Let's see what this is all about. Card 25 is a seven. So sure enough, it has a spiritual overtone to it. 
And it, its essential meaning is time out, self-care, a need to regroup and replenish, and nourishment. There are times when you work so hard and move so fast, juggling so many things and putting others first, that you don't remember to take care of yourself. When this happens, you start to feel burned out. That's funny. I just told my daughter yesterday that I was feeling burned out. Um, you might resist this knowledge and force yourself through the exhaustion to prove you're a hero, to show how far you can push yourself. After all, it's impressive being the busy one, the one who handles it all, isn't it? Hmm. Well, the universe is not impressed at all. Did you know that the world will continue to spin if you take some time to care for yourself? Do you remember what kinds of books or shows you love to explore for the sake of fun? You must build yourself up with stories of hope and redemption, love and goodness, triumph and truth, if you want to write it into your own story. Maybe you need a hot bath and a good cry, or not. A hug from a pet, dancing for the sake of it, a walk where you don't bring your list of to-dos with you. You can accomplish so much more if you include rest, relaxation, fun, spending quality time with your loved ones, healthy food, and lots of self-love to your menu. It's time to feed your hungry heart. Feed it with love. <laughs> so perfect. So, so perfect. All right. Well, that is it for me. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you again on Monday. We'll dive some more into the Venus cycle, the part that is important for us to know for next week. All right, everybody. Much love. Take care. Bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.